Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome to or welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Now today I'm going to be talking all about whether heat can actually trigger your allergies. You know, the sun's out a lot more, summer's officially here. I thought it would be such a really great topic to kind of dive into on the podcast because heat is not really something that you think about when you're thinking about your allergies and how your symptoms are, do your symptoms feel worse. So I'm going to be talking about whether heat can actually trigger your allergies. So before we get into that, you know, I got to tell you guys what's been going on. So what's been going on with me? Well, this past weekend was actually my mother's birthday. Well, not her actual birthday. It's actually on a Monday this year. But since I'm working and she's working on that day, um, I just thought it would be better to just celebrate on the weekend. I got some vegan cupcakes from Whole Foods, which are actually so delicious. Highly recommend getting things from their bakery section. Um, But I got chocolate and vanilla ones. We had the chocolate ones actually for my college graduation. But this was the first time trying the vanilla ones. And actually, those weren't bad at all. Now, normally growing up, I was more so of a vanilla cupcake type of gal. I just thought that the taste of them were just a lot better. I wasn't really into chocolate like that growing up. That was something that kind of came with age, as you know, people would say. Like I said, the vanilla ones definitely weren't bad, but I do like the vegan chocolate cupcakes better. Now, can we talk about how like over the years, like the developments and not only like the vegan section, but like in a lot of the different sections for people with different allergies, food allergies has like so improved like so much over the years. Like I'd probably say Five years ago, we didn't have the options that are available today. Definitely not 10 years ago. I talk about it with people who I know who have allergies all the time, um, especially when I do interviews on the podcast, how it's just so crazy, but exciting how much the food landscape has changed as people start to develop more allergies and tolerances or have food preferences to eat a certain type of way has improved and has allowed me personally to be able to get things that I would have never thought I would have been able to get. Like years ago, I would have never thought I would be able to get a vegan cupcake from Whole Foods. It's just absolutely crazy. And not only that, but one that actually tastes good. So what other things happened to me this past week? Um, Work was busy with working on whatever I was working on this past week. Uh, We had a big, with a capital B, internal campaign that um, me and my team were working on. So I was so busy working on that all week, but it was such a lot of fun. It was a lot, but it was also a lot of fun. Um, What else happened to me? 
Oh, I recently taught my dog the command paw. I know, please, please don't laugh at me and my dog. My dog is literally four and a half and she's just now learning how to do paw. But I will say it took her maybe like a few hours to learn the command, which I was very happy about. I was not surprised by that, but I was very happy about that because typically she learns new tricks and commands like really fast, especially when she was younger. I was happy that she just caught on really quickly since you know she's getting up there in age and she's kind of giving me those I'm stuck in my ways vibes and I'm like nope 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 we are not gonna have that attitude towards life ma'am but it's so funny but I am so grateful for the breed that I have and I tell people like all the time like getting her was something that I felt that was meant to be just because of how everything kind of like fell into place when it came to her and that I probably would not have as much patience for other breeds now that I have have her because of her being a border collie so I'm not really surprised that she learns fast from that spectrum because if you're not familiar with dog breeds the border collie is the smartest breed and in my dog you can see that so much you know there are things that my dog has learned on her own that I haven't taught her that people are like oh well you taught your dog how to you know be quiet when you're on the phone like that's so cool and I'm like no I didn't or people are like wow like you taught her how to open her crate door and I'm like nope she was just smart enough to figure it out on her own but also a really fun and exciting um update that I have for you guys is the fact that it's not really more so for you guys but it's really exciting because it has to do with the podcast but I purchased a boom arm and I feel like a legit podcaster now like I just feel like whoa like I'm on like Joe Rogan status with my little boom arm and everything it's so cool um, I've always wanted one for a really long time but I was trying to find one that was you know and my price range because they are in so many different price ranges and being able to have it where it doesn't mess up a table or things like that but I just really love the flexibility of having one around because you can try to just move your microphone around if you want it to be more closer to you or if you want it to be more away from you like I just love the flexibility of it and and you can just swing it and it's just It's just simply amazing. So I want to share that with you guys because I was super excited. I literally just got this. I'm recording this on Sunday and I just got this yesterday on Saturday. So I am super excited about it. I feel like now like I can like move my hands and like talk and even though I'm not a person who moves their hands when they talk but I just like being able to have that flexibility now but like I can move my hands I can you know not have to worry about my wrist or anything that's on my wrist like getting onto the table and like making like a like a crashing noise which was something that I would deal with was the fact that because I usually wear a lot of like bracelets and things like that so I have a lot of like Alex and Ani bracelets I have a lot of Alex and Ani bracelets and like I have like my Fitbit and I wear rings and things like that and so like when I'm talking sometimes with my hands and I like bang it up against the table and my microphone stand is usually on the table the microphone usually picks that up obviously I end up cutting it out but it's just super annoying because it can mess up with some really good sound bites that I'm saying and I'm just like man I gotta I gotta redo that whole part again and it's just very very 
very, 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 very frustrating. So now hopefully I don't have to deal with that anymore. So I'm very excited about this. But yeah, that's basically what's been going on with me. And let's just get right into my foodie likes. With that being said, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about my foodie likes this week because I think they're pretty bomb, but I feel like I'm very biased. But with that being said, let's get right into the foodie likes. So one of my foodie likes lately has been from Kroger. They have these meal kits that are like in the vegetable section. And I got this one from a Kroger and it was their ginger soy one. Oh my gosh, like that meal kit was so delicious. It lasted so long for me because what I did was that I would cook parts of it and take it for my lunch. So I would cook the vegetables in that and I really loved the variety of the vegetables in that meal kit. There was broccoli, there was Brussels sprouts, there were carrots, there was green cabbage, there was bok choy. There were so many vegetables in there. There were snow peas in there, but I really strongly dislike snow peas I've just not ever really been a fan of them to me like I've had like bad experiences of like choking on them if they're like cooked too soft so like when I saw that they were in the meal kit I was like those are automatically going into the trash can because they are not going in my mouth at all but I highly recommend getting that meal kit now I will say that I got it when it was on sale, so I did not pay full price. And so when I recently went back to the grocery store, because I was just like, ah, love the meal kit so much, I definitely need to get it again. And I was like, oh, that's how much it costs regularly? I think I'm just going to have to think about this one more time. Um, But overall, I did like it. And I feel like if you are looking for a meal option that's very easy, very quick, what also is really cool about their meal kits is that they come with noodles. Um, I use noodles maybe like the first two times that I used that bag, but over time I ended up finding myself using the um, tofu noodles that I talked about in last week's episode. So those are like my go-to. I really love using them. Such a really great low carb, low calorie option if that's what you're looking for, but they taste super delicious because of them being tofu. So whatever you season your vegetables to taste like, that's basically what the noodles are going to taste like. So I put my seasoning, on them and then I use liquid aminos and it's just the bomb.com so highly recommend checking out that meal kit and then adding in those noodles I talked about last week oh my gosh such a really perfect meal option I actually bought more of those um, noodles but they did not have the fettuccine style noodles so I was really bummed about that so I ended up getting the spaghetti ones instead so fingers crossed that I actually still like these because I'm not really traditionally a fan of spaghetti Um, Growing up, it was like kind of one of those things that if people made it, then I ate it, but it just wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I've just not really ever been like super crazy over pasta. If I did eat pasta growing up, it was like one of those things where I would have it for Thanksgiving, whether my grandmother or my aunt made, you know, their famous macaroni and cheese when I, you know, ate dairy like that. But yeah, besides that, I just really wasn't cuckoo crazy for pasta. I know so many people that are like, oh my gosh, pasta is so good. Um, but I, I just, I'm just not a fan like that. Just never have been. 
But that is that foodie like. Another one of my foodie likes I've been getting from a couple different places. I've been getting it from a mixture of Kroger and also Whole Foods, but I just like Whole Foods is better um, just because I like the fact that it's wild and usually when I am looking at fish I like to get wild fish but I've been getting their wild skinless boneless canned pink salmon and I started getting that because growing up I've always had a really big love for tuna that's something that's not really changed about me. I still really love tuna but because of the mercury levels in it I try to not have it too much it's very hard for me because I really like tuna like that and it's one of my go-tos when it comes to like having a protein but I've been really like trying to get away from it and kind of not get away from it completely but let's say like kind of take a back seat when it comes to buying too much tuna because it's ridiculous how much tuna I buy but I buy it because I put it on like salads when I'm taking them to lunch for work and things like that but I started getting salmon because I kind of wanted to change it up and guys like it's so delicious. It's so good. I don't even know why I didn't think I wasn't going to like it because I love salmon in general, but I just love how it's kind of has like a tuna consistency in terms of like you can put mayonnaise in it if you want to and make like a salmon um, salad, even though I typically don't do that. I just take the canned salmon and kind of put it into like a separate plastic bag. And then when I'm ready to have my salad, I will pour it onto it and it just tastes so good. It tastes nice and fresh. So highly recommend trying canned pink salmon, especially from Whole Foods because of it being wild. And so that's really important to me. Um, when I'm going grocery shopping for food, whether it's canned food, whether it is fresh fish, um, that's just something that me and my family, um, whether it's my mom or whether it's my grandparents or extended family, usually we try to get wild fish just because we know that it is better in terms of like sustainable practices and it's just healthier for you. But those are my foodie likes, guys. I actually have foodie likes this week. I know I had some last week. Lately, I've been kind of struggling trying to find, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to find foodie likes to talk with you guys about. But that's just because I usually am a creature of habit. Usually when I like something, I just keep getting it over and over again. I usually don't try anything new. But because of me starting this internship, I've been trying to try different meal options, kind of change things up while also keeping in mind my food allergies and things like that. So I definitely want to share more about you know, how I go about cooking for myself when I am going to work and navigating those types of situations. But yeah, let me stop rambling. But with that being said, let me get right into the allergies. So today's allergy news article is coming from the Chicago Sun-Times and the article is titled On Florida's Horizon, Sahara Desert Dust, Brilliant Orange Sunsets and Allergies. So I wanted to talk about this episode just because I feel like it has a little bit of relation to some of the things I'm going to be talking about in the meat of today's episode about how heat can trigger allergies or whether or not it can. I don't want to give any spoilers, but the article is talking about how clouds of dust from the Sahara Desert 
um, is sweeping in from across the Atlantic Ocean and how the plume is expected to dampen storm activity but worsen air pollution, which is causing trouble for some people with allergies and other respiratory problems. And how some health experts are saying that symptoms and result of the dust from, you know, the Sahara Desert uh, sweeping in, it could mimic possibly those of a COVID-19. And the article talks about how NASA, they're monitoring the dust and how the dust was swept off Africa from strong winds and from swirling around in deserts like Mali and how those winds are carrying the plume across the ocean. I thought it was interesting because throughout the article, if you read down more, they talk about how it's supposed to be a major dust outbreak, which is very crazy to think about and how the dry winds, they're carrying these dust particles across you know, through the ocean and how that could help smother storm systems uh, because of it drying out the humidity air that feeds turbulent weather across, you know, a route for hurricanes and how you could still have showers and thunderstorms, but the coverage would be much less if there wasn't Saharan dust that was flying in the air, which I think is very interesting how, you know, last year there was such a massive dust storm that happened to the point where it was so massive that it was actually nicknamed Godzilla, which is so crazy. But I just think that it's interesting how these dust storms really could affect your allergies. And as a person who is allergic to dust, um, this kind of has me a little bit worried because of how close Georgia is to Florida. And normally when things pass through Florida, they kind of pass through Georgia as well. And so I usually try to keep an eye on if there's like any hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that, because you know, Florida usually gets it the worst. And then in terms of Georgia, usually like Northern Georgia usually gets it really, really hard. But I just thought this article was really interesting, especially because of there being such a really bad uh, dust storm last summer, and it carried 24 tons of dust across the Atlantic from Africa, which is just so insane, the power of wind and how it can carry, you know, tons and tons and tons of dust across, you know, oceans. And so I just thought it would just be a really cool article to talk a little bit about here on the podcast. Like always, we always link in the show notes each allergy news article that we're highlighting each week. So definitely check out the show notes to be able to find out more about this article and to find out more about this Sahara Desert dust storm. But with that being said, let me get right into the meat of the episode, which is all about whether he can actually trigger allergies. So with summer being here officially, most people are like probably really happy that spring is over, including myself, because They actually may want to go outside more and be in nature more since pollen is not, you know, irritating their nostrils and their soul anymore. And you may feel like you can like finally like breathe clearly for the first time in a really long time and you're like super excited about it. You may 
just want to go to the beach. Even though I strongly dislike the beach, I've not ever really been a beach person once I grew out of the let's play in the sand and make sand castles and find seashells phase. I talk to my best friend all the time and she'll be like, I'm so excited for summer to be able to go to the beach. We should go. And I'm like, Valencia and the beach does not belong in the same sentence. Like, I don't know, like a lot of people tend to find so much joy and relaxation being at the beach. And for me, I just find the beach to be very boring. Like the thought of going and sitting or laying down in a lawn chair and just having sunglasses on and having the sun beat on me to the point where you could literally fry an egg or fry some vegan bacon on my body does not really, you know, satisfy me. It's not something that I am crazy about. I just not really found the beach to be all that fun. Like if I want to go swim, I can swim in a pool. Like I really dislike getting sand in my flip-flops or in my shoes, my water shoes. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. People using water shoes. But yeah, I just never really found the beach to be all that interesting once I kind of got out of that kid phase of being at the beach. Now, I find the beach when looking at pictures to be like super pretty and it being like, oh my gosh, and like seeing like black sand beaches, it looks very cool and it looks really like a cool place to take pictures at potentially depending on the beach because not all beach are created equal in my opinion. Um, But yeah, I'm just not really... Since I was probably, <clears throat> since I was probably, hmm, maybe almost in double digits, I've not really had an interest. And it's so funny because I've been to multiple beaches before, like whether that was going to like Jamaica or Mexico or going on cruises or when Georgia used to have uh, a man-made beach. Um, I've been to that beach before, but again, like if there's not anything to do, but like just lay down, then like I'm going to get bored and I could do that in my hotel room or at home. I could do that. I could also read a book in my room in a hotel or at home. Like I have a Kindle, And so that kind of makes reading kind of hard when you're in the sun. Like I have a Kindle paperweight, so I'd be able to have like the reading light outside, but still, I just I just don't really find it all relaxing. Plus, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm just not one of those black people that just likes being out in the heat and wants to get crispy like a piece of bacon. I'm just being honest. I'm just not one of those people. I've not really been one of those people um, unless I was at like a summer camp and it kind of just happened organically, but like not by choice especially not now, like definitely not by choice. I'm also just not a really big fan of the heat, especially heat in the South because of it being such a very humid heat. Like when I lived in California, we experienced heat, but it was more so of like a dry heat. So like the how you feel in the heat in both of those types of climates is like totally different. Like when I'm in the South, like you sweat a lot, you worry about like your hair poofing up, depending on your hair texture. Like it's just, it's just not a situation you ideally want to be put in. Like I'm just not that big of a fan of the heat when it gets into the 80s, the 90s, the 100s. 
not really a big fan especially like the mid to high 80s low 90s all the way to the hundreds just not a fan not a fan that's just not when I need to be outside I can probably tolerate comfortably probably like 75 80 but besides that I just don't really care for the heat and the summer but one thing that people don't realize is the fact that summer heat can actually make allergies worse than normal and that's because heat promotes plant growth which in turn means more pollen and actually a lot of plants tend to pollinate based on you know various environmental triggers and that's why there are different allergy seasons and not just one dedicated allergy season aka spring season because it's caused by different plants and a lot of grasses tend to pollinate during the heat and that's why the summertime is when grass allergies are at their absolute worst. I was a little shocked when I found out about this myself but it makes a lot of sense as I like look back at times during the summer where I would go into sneezing fits and things of the sort and I would be super, super confused because I'm like, the season where I feel like my nose is on fire, aka pollen season, should be over. And, you know, I w- might be in the grass, whether I'm sitting in the grass playing with my dog or outside, you know, with friends or whatever, and I would just get hives on my legs and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, This doesn't make any sense to me, like what in the actual heck is going on? But when you think about how people tend to constantly, you know, mow their lawns and the breezes of the summer, you know, come through your way, grass pollen, it's easily finding its way in the air that we breathe every single day. Now, another thing that comes with the summer heat that's a really big allergy trigger is summer bugs. We actually did a podcast episode about being allergic to insects, so definitely check out that episode to find out about other insects uh, that could potentially be allergy triggers, but roaches are one of the most common allergens for people, which is another reason why they are the absolute worst. And if you live in the South, you feel this like really hard, like really, really, really hard, you know, from the feces to the saliva to the shedding body parts. Those are just all things that can be allergy triggers and can spread by getting swept up in the air, which is absolutely crazy and insane. And it's something that I personally wouldn't think would happen to be honest and the best advice when it comes to that kind of a situation is to just try to keep your areas clean keep food in containers and if there's any leaks to water or any openings or cracks in your house where they will flock you're probably going to want to fix those so that they don't try to come into your house and be your friend. I don't know about you, but I am not trying to be friends with one of those things. I even barely just like saying the name of the actual insect itself. So, but speaking of water, that's like one of the go-to areas when it comes to the summer. You know, everybody just wants to be in a pool or be at a water park or be at the beach on a hot summer day. That's like traditionally how it is during the summertime. But now like trying to think about a world that is in post COVID, like I can't even imagine going to a water park like I used to when I was younger. Like I just cannot imagine. But even when I was going to water parks when I was younger, like 
my mom was very, very keen on making me aware of germs that are around me to the point where I would probably call her a germaphobe. And it was just, that was just something that I had to deal with growing up. Um, Her being like, yeah, like, you know, we'll take you to the water park, but you need to realize like when you're going on a water park, you're going on rides, we need to wash your hands. You need to have hand sanitizer, all these different things. So really when COVID hit, it wasn't really too much of a difference in my household except it did ramp up a little bit more if you can only imagine but yeah I was just when I said water perks I was just thinking in my brain I was just like I can't even imagine going to a water park or going to like a theme park because I know like a lot of theme parks are opening now could not even think about it even though I like high-key want to go to Universal Studios my mother's like what the heck like why out of all places why Universal Studios I've always wanted to go to Universal Studios I went when I was younger I don't remember going so I want to go while I will remember the trip but that was a tangent anyway but another allergen that water loves more than roaches is mold And when you put yourself in situations where you are in areas that are damp or that are humid, you're exposing yourself to outside mold. And it's more mold than you would probably normally come across. Uh, Mold is something that not only affects people outdoors, uh, but it also affects people indoors, which is something that I'm more so familiar with. I don't think a lot of people tend to think about how it could affect people outdoors and I talk more in depth about this um, in my episode about indoor allergies so definitely listen to that episode to find out about like indoor allergy triggers like mold and dust and things like that such a really good one if you have environmental allergies but anyway I feel like mold is one of those allergens that is a very 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 common it's a lot more common than uh, people think And for that reason, people tend to forget about it or they don't really recognize it. Now, I know you hear me, you know, talking about how the heat can affect your allergies and you're probably thinking, you know what, I just need to take my happy hips inside my house and just stay in there unless I need to go to the grocery store or go to places sometimes once in a while, but not be like the world is my oyster. I live in the streets. The streets are calling my name. Uh, You know what I mean? But there's nothing wrong with doing that because I love having a lazy day inside when I have absolutely nothing to do. That's something that has not happened recently. Um, I haven't had one of those in a really long time because I'm always doing something, whether it's for work, whether it's working on the podcast, whether it was schoolwork when I was in school. But when you are staying inside for, you know, longer periods of time during the summer, you are exposing yourself to indoor allergens. And one thing that I was kind of shocked to hear this number is that 70% of homes have mold behind their walls, which is absolutely insane to think about. And for some people, a little mold can be fine and not really kind of take a toll or really influence your health or your breathing. But however... (laughs) Mold allergies, you know, are extremely common a lot of the times, and that means that indoor air quality may be worse than the outdoors, which is absolutely crazy. That's absolutely crazy. You don't really think that because of, you know, mold being really 
a possibility that could be affecting your indoor environment, that that could be making your indoor air quality a lot worse than the outdoors. But that makes so much sense because there's times when, especially when I was living in my college dorm, where if my if I felt like my allergies were acting up and my symptoms were up the yin yang and I would be like, gosh, like I just need to go outside. But then I'd feel like, well, crap, like I don't know if I want to be outside because I feel like my allergies are going to feel a lot worse. But then I go outside and then I'm like, oh, well, this actually this is it. This is legit. Like I feel a lot better. But that makes a lot of sense because the air quality outside might have been better than the air quality inside my dorm and inside my dorm hall, which is crazy to think about. So another allergen that can cause the sniffles like inside your house are dust mites. They are just as big of a factor. Dust mites and mold, they are allergens that are year round that could have a lot of serious effects on your health. And dust mites, also like to spend most of their time where you are hopefully spending eight hours a day at, and that is, drum roll please, your bed. Dust, it could be a lot more manageable than a mold because it's not hiding behind your wall. You could get a duster or whatever because it's something that you can visibly see, or it can even be something that you can like, feel or like sense in like the air because like if I'm in a room like I can kind of feel that it feels dusty like I can kind of smell like the dusty vibes in a particular room when like when it comes to mold like I don't enter a room and I'm like hmm that smells moldy you know what I mean like it's just one of those things that at least for me like I'm not like a dog where I can like sniff out the mold you know what I'm saying but if you have pets if you have children if you have roommates or if you have anyone or anything that is sharing your space with you then that manageability can become less and less and less realistic because life just happens you kind of just get very preoccupied with other things and it kind of just goes on the back burner. But hopefully this episode more so educated you and prepared you rather than scared you. I don't want people to be scared when they listen to this episode, but I know people who sneeze and sniffle during the summer and they might be like, oh, well, like, I think I might have a cold or they'll be like, oh, like, I think I have like an illness that I came across from like WebMD and they're literally scaring themselves into thinking that they have like this complicated health issue, but it could be something just as simple as allergies. So hopefully, this episode was very educational and very helpful. I know when I was doing research on a lot of these things, I found out like so much information, like it's crazy. And that's something that I talk about in a lot of my episodes. It's kind of like with your allergies, it's like an ongoing journey. You're always going to learn something new about your allergies each and every day, whether that's from experience, whether that's from learning from other people, whether that's reading up on your allergies. And so that's something that I feel like some people have more trouble with than others is just accepting the fact that with allergies, it is a learning process. I'd probably say with allergies, it's probably about 80 to 90% like learning because you're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work for you, whether that's 
social environments, whether that's different foods, whether that's different environmental triggers, things like that. So definitely allergies is a learning process. And that's kind of why this podcast is here. Why it's in existence is to be able to help you along that learning process when it comes to your allergies. But hopefully you all found this episode to be extremely helpful. Like I said, I learned so much and it doesn't make me not want to go outside, but it makes me want to keep things in mind and kind of mentally prepare myself when I do go outside, especially in the heat, because normally I'm usually apprehensive about going out in the heat anyway, just because A, not a big fan of heat. B, usually if I'm in situations um, in environments that are very, very hot, um, my nose dries out and I've in the past have gotten nosebleeds. So usually I try to not really be in the heat like that, especially for long periods of time because it can really like affect my nose and my sinuses and how I just feel and like when I'm outside and like feeling 100%, but knowing that heat could potentially make your allergies worse and make your allergy symptoms worse and kind of be that problem is really very helpful and something that I'm going to keep in mind going forward. And so hopefully you all do that too. If you are not subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast, literally, what are you waiting for? Definitely hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Make sure that you follow us on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page, which is at Oh My Allergies. And keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And I will talk with you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys.